going to be part of our worship set in the days to come. I love that song. Thank you so much for leading us in that. You know, anything that brings us closer to the throne of God's grace and to focusing upon Him is a blessing. And that song uh, has been a blessing. I know to so many people that listen to Christian radio, and uh, it's kind of hit us in some needful times of our life. And man, it really is right on target uh, with the message this morning. And I really appreciate that. Uh, this week, uh, many of you had an opportunity to celebrate your, your faith, your trust in the Lord for the country in which we live. Uh, last week, we were able to honor some of our veterans that were here, uh, some of those that have served. And uh, just this morning, even I'm meeting uh, Elijah again and, and telling him face to face how proud I am of him being in the ROTC and, and the work he's preparing for. Uh, Ken has some leftover uh, labels for the branches of service. And if you didn't get one of those stickers last week, and you're here with us this morning, if you've served, he's going to be at the back door. Is that okay this morning after the service? Make sure you get one of those, please. And then the, as well this morning to hear uh, the preparation for tomorrow is the, the day to serve at the soup kitchen for those of you that signed up for that. Uh, that, that is just going to be a great blessing, and hopefully you're able to be there for the training and to serve along with that. You know, the missions of this church, uh, not only are they across the seas, they're local as well. And anytime I hear of people stepping outside of their comfort zone to serve like that, uh, I get excited. Uh, just hearing Michaela even this morning, she's going to be uh, part of a new church plant for LifePoint Church at Austin P. University. And uh, that's going right at the top of my prayer list. Uh, I love church planters and the hard work they do as well. So the blessings just continue uh, this morning. Well, I've got only one more week to issue the challenge to you, and I want to hit it hard again. Would you please read the book of Ruth this week? Uh, 15 minutes, 20 minute tops to read through this, and you will find out a story that is absolutely unbelievable and is just as good uh, as any reality TV show these days. Last week we left Ruth, who had just met her future husband, Boaz, although she didn't know it at the time. She went home after meeting him, and she told her mother-in-law, Naomi, who joyfully said, Boaz, I know who he is. Uh, he's one of our relatives. In fact, he's in line to be our guardian redeemer. And Naomi is wise enough to start to see God at work in things at that time. Not only is God providing food for them through Boaz, he's providing the guardian redeemer. He's providing a husband of character. For Ruth as well. And Boaz has a thing for Ruth. He's attracted to her. Uh, she's a beautiful young lady and she's got character. And the Jewish law of the guardian redeemer does come into play. He can not only purchase the land of the deceased, but Boaz can guard the property and he can marry the widow. And through a God-orchestrated series of events, Boaz realizes that he can play a big role in God's plan. And that's where we left off last week. We've got Boaz, the, the bachelor from Bethlehem, and Ruth, the maiden from Moab. And as Paul Harvey used to say, now you get to hear the rest of the story. But we find in the rest of the story that this is what I want you to see and, and catch this morning. I want you to see Naomi's ability to see God at work even through her pain. To see God at work in her life, even though it's not rolling out the way she had planned that it would. How many times have you said, or maybe you've heard it said, life is so unfair. Man, I tell you what, my life 
It is unfair, and it may be. It may seem unfair. It may be unfair, but in spite of that fact, God is still at work. Maybe from your heart, you can say just like Job would claim when he said, let God weigh me in honest scales, and he'll know that I'm blameless. I don't deserve all these things to happen in my life. But God is still at work. Sometimes it's hard to see. And before we go any further, I want to give you this. I want to give you the big idea in your outline this morning, and that is this. When we trust God through the pain, as David sang about in the song, Trusting in the Lord, we leave a legacy of redemption rather than a legacy of bitterness. Hear me on this, please. Every single person in this room, young or old, you're going to leave a legacy. You, me, all of us. It will either be a legacy of redemption, of a life in Christ, or it will be a legacy of bitterness. And it's a choice that God grants and blesses each of us with. It's up to you. But in order to set the stage for this account today, I want you to go back with me to Ruth chapter 1, and I want you to look at verses 19 through 21. This is as Ruth and Naomi are packing up to head back to Bethlehem. And in Ruth 1.19, it says, So the two women went out until they came to Bethlehem. When they arrived in Bethlehem, the whole town was stirred because of them. And the women exclaimed, Can this be Naomi? Don't call me Naomi, she told them. Call me what? Mara. Because the Almighty has made my life very bitter. I went away full, but the Lord has brought me back empty. Why call me Naomi? The Lord has afflicted me. The Almighty has brought misfortune upon me. Now, if you read the Bible very much, you know as well as I do that the Bible includes a lot of raw moments. It includes a lot of times a brutal honesty, and that's what we see in Naomi here. It's either going to be a legacy for her at this point of redemption or of Mara, of bitterness in her life. And, and she's saying, God, I, I just don't get it. I simply don't understand it. Things have just been loss after loss, change after change, and things have been so unfair. God, I used to be happy, and maybe you're saying that this morning, but now I'm just gutting it out in this life. And it's really hard for me to smile. Naomi comes home. Everyone is happy to see Naomi. But when she comes home, she remembers the last time she was there. When she was there with Elimelech, her husband. When she was there with Malon and Killian, her two boys. And now they're gone. Those were the good old days. And now it is the nasty now and now. It's the new reality. And Naomi is saying, folks, it's good to be back home. But I'm telling you what, I'm not the same person I was when I left. My family was secure when I left. Now it's not. My inheritance, my security was there when I left. Now it's uncertain. And she's just being honest. Life has changed. The, the joy is gone. So call me Mara, and, and that's okay. Friends, it's okay to acknowledge that your family is far from what you thought it would be a year ago. It's okay to acknowledge the, the angst, the pain, the hurt within your heart today that you never anticipated would be there. And they say that life is hard. 
But I want you to notice that even in making that change, even in making that statement, Naomi never took her eyes off of God. And I don't want you to miss this in our story. Even in the midst of incredible pain, Naomi kept her eyes fixed on him. One step at a time, one decision at a time, one breath at a time. And it's her willingness to look at God, even though her life is hurting, that helps her to leave a legacy of redemption instead of a life of bitterness. Her willingness to look to God when the heat is on. Now I want you to see this morning three practical lessons to make when we go through painful times or tough situations just like her. And these really aren't instructions as much as it is choices that you and I have to make in those difficult times. These are decisions that we need to make. And what we decide to do long after we're all gone from this earth, it will impact what people think of you. It will impact what people remember about you and what people say about you. And here's the first. You've got to stay connected to other people. Stay connected to other people. And this is huge. Because whenever anything catastrophic happens within our life, any major change, and correct me if I'm wrong, but most people in that moment, they want to withdraw from the world. I found that true to be, be true in my life. You want to pull away. No phone calls, no, no knocks on my door, no visits, no, no tweets, no FaceTime, none of that stuff coming down the line. You cut yourself off from the world. But you need people in your life. The one who created you knows you were never made to do this life alone. Naomi could have gone off the grid, and yet she chose to stay and connect with her daughters-in-law, with Orpah and with Ruth. And Ruth and Naomi, they, they get back to Bethlehem, and the first thing they find when they get there is family. And, and now not only is uh, Naomi's God Ruth's God, Naomi's people are literally Ruth's people. They're connected. They're family. And, and you've got to love family, right? As much as they annoy you sometimes, as weird as they can be, you've got to love family. They're going to be there through thick and thin. But by the time you're in your 20s, some of you already know, you're going to have some conflict in your life. By the time you're in your 30s, you're going to have experienced loss at some level. And if you're in your 40s, 50s, 60s, 70s, you know you've been dealt some pretty hard cards to play. You know you've had to deal with some, some losses and difficulties in your life. And friends, in those moments, isn't it true? You've got to stay connected. You've got to stay connected to your earthly family, and you've really got to stay connected to your spiritual family as well. Friends, it's not just a suggestion, it's God's wisdom, it's God's command in Hebrews 10, 24 and 25 that says this, and let us consider how we may spur one another on towards love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some of us are in the habit of doing, but let's encourage one another and all the more as we see the day approaching. We've got to stay connected in this family. Friends, you've got to stay connected with your, your small group, with your Bible study, with your ministry team, or, or if you serve with the leadership team. Guys, you've got to stay connected. Naomi stayed connected with her daughters-in-law. She, she stayed connected with her family in Bethlehem. And eventually, she's going to be connected to Boaz. In spite of the pain, 
in spite of the catastrophe. Now here's the second decision where you face any circumstances like that. You've got to choose to stay faithful to God. Stay faithful to God. And the truth of the matter is, it's hard for some in this room to reach out to God. For whatever reason, it's hard. And deep down inside, maybe you feel guilty about that. Maybe you don't know how to deal with that. Sometimes it's hard as we talk about pressing into God to actually feel like you're doing that. It's hard to feel close to God even though you, you really, really want to. And sometimes the only reason you really do press into God is because somebody is watching you. And in one matter, that, that was true for, for Naomi because she had two daughters-in-law now that, that really were her world. And they're watching her. They, they want to know, how does this woman who follows the one true God react to a situation like this? They're watching her like a hawk. I wonder what decision she's going to make. I wonder how she's going to respond. And Naomi and Ruth, they go to Bethlehem and, and Ruth is out gleaning in the fields. She's picking up the leftover grain that's left behind by the harvesters. She's literally picking up scraps so that she and her mother-in-law can survive and she meets Boaz. And Naomi knows something is going on, and she picks up on it, and Ruth is going to end up marrying Boaz. But before she does that, before she marries this man, we find out that Boaz is a faithful man as well. He's faithful to God, so things are going to occur the way they do, and, and he's faithful even to the laws about him and his wisdom. I want you to pick up with me, if you would, in, in Ruth chapter 4, verse 1. Ruth chapter 4, verse 1. It says, Meanwhile, Boaz went up to the town gate, and he sat down there just as the guardian redeemer he had mentioned came along. You see, he's not the first in line. Somebody else can lay claim to Elimelech's ground, to his property, and to Ruth and Naomi. Boaz said, come over here, my friend, and sit down. And he went over and he sat down. And Boaz took ten of the elders of the town and said, sit here. And they did so. Then he said to the guardian redeemer, Naomi, who's come back from Moab, is selling the piece of the land that belonged to our relative Elimelech. I thought I should bring the matter to your attention and suggest that you buy it in the presence of these seated here and in the presence of the elders of my people. If you'll redeem it, then do so. But if you will not, then tell me so I'll know. For no one has the right to do it except you, and I am next in line. Ground? Expand my farm? My you bet I will, he said. I'll redeem it. And Boaz said, on the day you buy the land from Naomi, you need to know this. You also acquire Ruth, the Moabite, the dead man's widow, in order to maintain the name of the dead with his property. And at this, the guardian redeemer said, I've changed my mind. <laughs> then I cannot redeem it because I might endanger my own estate. You redeem it yourself. I cannot do it. Now, in earlier times in Israel, for redemption and transfer of property to become final, one party took off his sandal and gave it to the other. This was the method of legalizing transactions in Israel. And so the guardian redeemer said to Boaz, buy it yourself. And he removed his sandal. 
And Boaz announced to the elders and all the people, today you're witnesses that I have bought from Naomi all the property of Elimelech, Kilian, and Malan. I have also acquired Ruth the Moabite, Malon's widow, as my wife, in order to maintain the name of the dead with his property so that his name will not disappear from among his family or his hometown. Today you are witnesses. And the elders and all the people at the gate said, We are witnesses, and may the Lord make the woman who's coming into your home like Rachel and Leah, who together built up the family of Israel. May you have standing in Ephrathah and be famous in Bethlehem. Through the offspring the Lord gives you by this young woman, may your family be like that of Perez, whom Tamar bore to Judah. May you be blessed in what you're choosing to do, You know what that tells me in that encounter that took place at the city gates of Bethlehem? It tells me that that Boaz, again, he's a faithful man. And friends, for him and for Ruth, if you stay faithful to God, God will make things happen. Have you ever said to yourself, man, I don't get this. I I have no idea how all this panned out like this. I don't know how this happened. There are so many times that Jesus tried to tell us, if you just stay faithful to God, God will make things happen. He said to the father of the demon-possessed boy in Mark's gospel, in Mark 9, 23, everything is possible for the one who believes. When he was questioned about, from his disciples about who could be saved, Jesus said in Luke 18, 27, what's impossible with man, that's just the turning of the possible with God. And you look in your life and you say, I don't know how this can ever work out. I don't know in any way possible that that reconciliation is going to happen. I don't know any way possible that my finances are going to turn around or that I'm going to be supplied what I need through work or, or at home. But when you stay faithful to God, when you pray to God, it, it may not be on your timetable, but God can make things happen that you never thought possible. That's what God does because he's God and God is good and God is great and God is absolute love. And then you can sing with Mary when she said in Luke 1, for the mighty one has done great things for me. Holy is his name. When we are faithful, God does amazing things. Believe me, look at verse 13. So Boaz took Ruth and she became his wife And when he made love to her, the Lord enabled her to conceive, and she gave birth to a son. And the women said to Naomi, Praise be to the Lord, who this day has not left you without a guardian redeemer. May he become famous throughout Israel. He will renew your life, and he'll sustain you in your old age. For your daughter-in-law who loves you and who is better to you than several sons has given him birth. God does amazing things when we simply trust in him. And friends, don't miss it. It was Naomi's faithfulness to God that allowed this, invited this to happen within her life. How do you stay faithful to God in the middle of the hurt? How do you remain faithful to God in the midst of the pain? Well, let me give you three different ways. And and, and as I do these, I I want to invite you to really write these in your heart this morning. It's not some easy breezy thing, you know. It's not something that's not going to take perseverance and patience in your heart for the Lord. 
But here's number one. Regardless of circumstances, you set the tone for your family. You guys hear me on that? Regardless of how catastrophic this event may be, regardless of your pain level, you set the tone for your family. Dads, that means no matter how busy you are, setting the tone of faithfulness to God is your first responsibility in your family. Moms, the same goes for you. Grandmothers, grandfathers, you're the people that set the thermostat for your entire family. Guys, you don't like the way society is going, looking into the future? Then ask yourself, what kind of tone am I setting today? You have a choice to make, and you set the tone. Here's the second choice. If you're going to be faithful through the hard times, you need to remember that the way you choose to react to circumstances will significantly impact your legacy. Many of you know what it's like to walk in Naomi's sandals. You have lost husbands. You've lost children. You know, one of the, one of the ministers who made one of the greatest impacts on, on my ministry as I've listened to his messages and, and met him uh, time and again is Wally Rendell. And Wally used to preach at the Gardenside Christian Church in Lexington, Kentucky. And I never really got to know about him or him until uh, I went to the Cincinnati Bible College. And when Cheryl was there and when I was there, uh, his daughter and son were there, Barton and Jill Rendell. And Jill was a beautiful 21-year-old girl, and she played on the college's basketball team. It was 10.30 p.m. on Thursday, February the 18th. The team was en route to Grand Rapids. They were going to be playing a game against uh, Grace College. Chris Solwicky was driving, and the van uh, hit a patch of ice, and it slid off the berm and into a ditch, and it rolled over several times. Eight of the kids on that bus were injured. Only one was killed, Jill. She was riding in the front seat of the car, and she was crushed there in Marshall, Michigan. And as she was, so were Wally and Barbara Rendell. He said when he got the call that night, everything that I'd said, everything that I'd done for every other family that I'd ministered to in a time of loss like that, it was there in my heart, but it, it, was, it was so distant from me. And the tears flowed and my heart was broken. As they planned her service and he sat there holding his wife's hand, it was then that Ken Reed stood to sing the song that had the line, I, I fell on my knees and cried holy. And when he got to the line in the song, he said, I, I just want to see Jesus. The people at that service stood and applauded with a standing ovation. And the first ones to their feet were Wally and Barbara Rendell. How can you do that? How could you do that in that moment? You can do that when your faith is in the faithful one. 1 Corinthians 1.9 says, God is faithful. The one that's called you into the fellowship with his son, Jesus Christ our Lord. I love the way the author of Hebrews puts it. But Christ is faithful as the son over God's house. And we are his house. If indeed we hold firmly to our confidence and hope in that glory. Regardless of how catastrophic life may be. Friends, when you stay faithful to God, you recognize how faithful God is to you. And I want you to hear me on that. The way you respond to the circumstances in your life significantly impacts your legacy.
Number three, never let your circumstances cloud your focus. Last night, we were, we were actually blessed to be at Mark and Heather Mader's home. Uh, Dan and Sherry's daughter and son-in-law, uh, actually the, the Mader, Schuler, Mitchum uh, family for a fireworks show. And I have to tell you, I've sat in stands and, and I've even been far off from many fireworks. But he puts this on and you are right there at the fireworks. And as it started, there were some ground ones and, and it was kind of humid last night. It had rained over in Columbus and the smoke from the fireworks kind of came rolling towards us and people were pulling up their shirts to cover them. And, and I was laughing because, you know, it's just one of those moments that catches you off guard. And, and you just, you're kind of looking through the fog to, uh, of, of the, the smoke from the fireworks just to see what, what's happening. As much as we enjoy life sometimes, even the things we enjoy can, can cloud our faith and our vision of God. Don't let your circumstances cloud your focus. On a good day, we can see 10 miles away. Things are clear. But then there are days you, you can drive into this church and, and it's cloudy, even when the sun's shining. On bad days, you can lose your focus. And, you know, this past week, again, we celebrated Independence Day when 56 men signed a declaration of independence on the 4th. And John Hancock, one of my favorite signatures of that declaration, you want to talk about keeping your faith clear? This is what he said. I love this. He said, in circumstances as dark as these, and, and let me just say, when you hear about Iran enriching uh, uranium, to higher levels, when you hear about all that's going on in our world, we need to remember what this founding father said. He said, in circumstances as dark as these, it becomes us as men and Christians, not deists, not spiritual people, but as Christians, to reflect that whilst every prudent measure should be taken to ward off impending judgments, at the same time, all confidence must be withheld from the means that we use and reposed only on the God that rules in the armies of heaven. And without his whole blessing, the best of human counsels are but foolishness. No matter what this world calls strength, it's weakness in God's eyes. The one that we need to keep our eyes on doesn't exist in any seat of earthly power. The one we need to keep our eyes on is the one who sits on the throne of heaven, who could never be removed and who reigns as King of kings and Lord of lords. And faith sometimes, it's taking that step saying, God, I don't know how I'm going to get through this, but I'm with you. Trusting God the entire way. Sometimes those circumstances are so horrific, we lose our focus, and, and we need to pray, God, will you clear the horizon? Will you help my focus here? Would you please help me to stay faithful to you? Even though I can't see the entire situation or what's going on, I'm going to keep my eyes on you, and, I, and step by step, I need you to lead me. Here's the last thing. You know, stay connected to other people, stay faithful to God, and then thirdly, stay centered on God's plan. Friends, God really does have a plan for your life. Jeremiah 29, 11, it may have been said to the returning Israelites, but it's true for every one of us. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you a hope and a future. 
And if you're saying within your heart, oh, yeah, preacher, you've got to say that. You don't know how God has dropped the ball in my life there. But friends, he really does. And God will work out his plan in your life, comma, if you let him. Some of us are so hard-headed. Some of us are so stubborn and rebellious that, that we say, I'm going to do it my way or no way. Let God work his plan for your life. You invite him to let his plan work in your life, and you submit yourself every day. Lord, as you wake up, what do you want me to do today? What do you want me to see today? What do you want me to read today? Who do you want me to speak with today? And so many times we say, God, I know you've got a plan for my life, but God, it's not quite working out fast enough. So I'm going to tweak the plan a little bit here. And God, I'm going to give you a little bit of a hand in the process. Since when did God ever need help with anything? Isaiah said this in Isaiah 40, Who can fathom the Spirit of the Lord? Who can instruct Him as His counselor? Whom did the Lord consult to enlighten Him? Or who taught Him the right way? Who was it that taught God knowledge? Or showed Him the path of understanding? To whom will you compare me? Or who is my equal? Says the Holy One. Lift up your eyes and look to the heavens. Clear your vision. Who created all these? He who brings out the starry host one by one and calls them forth each by name. Because of his great power and mighty strength, not one of them is missing. And we say, God, I, I, I know you've got a plan for me and you want me to go down this road right here. But God, have you ever thought about this option? God, have you ever thought about doing this plan with a little more in the bank account for me or, or a little bit better with the relationships in my life? And we try to help along the way. And whenever we get ourselves involved in that, we think we've got a better plan than God has. I want you to hear me loud and clear this morning. In fact, you might want to write this down. When you are not on God's plan, you're in enemy territory. When you are not on God's plan, you're in enemy territory. Satan is alive and well. And Satan wants to steal from you. Satan wants to kill. He wants to destroy you. And he will stop at nothing to do that. I could tell you about two guys that came into this church building. And, and each one of them were at turning points in their lives. And one of them had recently had a, a, just a catastrophic event happen in his life. And the first place he chose to go was he, he wanted to come to church and he wanted to come back here. The other guy decided, no, I can work this out. The one guy that came back, I, I had to remind him, you know Satan is going to want you back. The things you were involved in that you knew displeased God, the temptation is going to be strong to go back to that old way of life. And, and, and Satan wants you to know that he's coming after you. And he said without blinking an eye, it ain't going to work. It ain't going to work. I love that. Every single one of us in this room, we need to have that attitude. Satan, you could try your hardest, but it ain't going to work. I belong to God. And nothing else is going to wrap me up or trip me up. Is it going to be easy? No. But when you allow God into your story, he can turn your darkest moments around for your good. How many times have you tried to change things in your life? Has it worked out for you? Only God can change hearts and lives. 
Only God can connect the dots of everything that's gone on within your life. He did it for Naomi. He did it for Ruth. He did it for, for Boaz. Look with me again at the end of chapter 4 here. And I just want to read uh, back in verses 14 and 15. The women said to Naomi, Praise be to the Lord who this day has not left you without a guardian redeemer. May he become famous throughout Israel. He'll renew your life. He'll sustain you in your old age. For your daughter-in-law who loves you, who's better than you than several sons, has given him birth. And this baby, this baby that belongs to Ruth, it changed her life and it changed Naomi's life. Remember back what we read at the start of this message in, in Ruth 1? She was asking the people of the town, don't call me Naomi. You call me Mar because my life is bitter. You just call me a bitter old lady. That's going to be my legacy. I'm miserable. And at that point, she couldn't see how God was going to work this out. Do you think she wants to be known as bitter now? Absolutely not. Verse 16 then Naomi took the child in her arms and she cared for him. And the women living there said, Naomi has a son. And they named him Obed. And Obed was the father of Jesse, the father of David. Yes, that David. Who in this room has not experienced pain? And some of you, you've experienced more than others. But guess what? Every one of us is like the rest of us. I want to wrap this up this morning. I want to give you three applications before you leave as we close. The first one is this, what Satan intended to break her, God intended to make her. When it came to Naomi, when it came to Ruth, what Satan intended to break her, God intended to make her. God wants to lead you out of those dark moments of your life. God says, I, I don't want you to be lost in the circumstances. I want to take those bad times and I want to make them work together for your good and for my glory. And I'm pleading to you this morning to be faithful to the one who is truly faithful to us. You know, this morning there's a lot that we can focus on, but in those dark moments, one of my favorite verses, uh, Romans 8.28, is always true. We know that in all things God works together for the good of those who love him and are called according to his purpose. He's the only one that can turn the dark times around. Lesson number two, application number two, God's plan may take longer than you think it should, but God is never late. God is never late. He has a plan, and it may not be obvious, but he has that, and it may not be your timing. It may be down the road, and it may not go down a road you think it should go down, but his plan is always right for your life. How will your reaction to that rub off on your spouse or your children or your coworkers or the people that you worship with on Sunday morning? God can use you to make a better person, but it's your choice. And the third one is this. God will work through every circumstance, everyone, and he'll heal all our wounds, eventually, in his time, in his way. And you know, one of the things I'm learning as, as I get older in this world is every disease may not be cured this side of heaven. Honesty, uh, restored health, energy, fatigue, you know, it may, it may never leave this side of heaven. But the healing will happen in God's time and in God's way. And we need to trust him in the meantime. 
And what do we do in that? We, we stay faithful. We keep our eyes fixed on him, the author, the perfecter of our faith. And it might get foggy around us, but we strain to keep our eyes fixed. And when we do, I'm going I'm to actually ask if you'd stand with me for this. I want to read this last scripture. This is Psalm 103, 1 through 5. This, this is what we're blessed with by the God who loves us more than we can ever imagine and who's able to do more than we would ever ask or imagine. Psalm 103, verse 1, Praise the Lord my soul, all my inmost being. Praise his holy name. Praise the Lord my soul and forget not all his benefits. He forgives all your sins and heals all your diseases. He redeems your life from the pit and crowns you with love and compassion who satisfies your desire with good things so that your faith, so that your life, so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, you had an old covenant with the people of Israel. You made a new covenant with the people of your kingdom and the church. You had an old plan for salvation that you presented to mankind so that they would know that the blood of bulls and rams and goats would never cover over sin. And so you, you made a new way through your own blood. You had an old way where you gave people a temple to go and worship at so that they knew you were close. But you tore apart the veil in that temple and you invited us to come into the most holy place and literally to become the resting place for your Holy Spirit. You took an old life and you made it new. Father, anyone that's in you is a new creation. The old is gone, the new has come. You like new things. And so, as the scripture says, you, you're the only one that can renew us. Father, you're the one that can restore to us not just the joy of our salvation. You can give us that clean heart, that clean spirit, that soul newness. Lord, I thank you so much for the story of faithfulness that we've seen in Naomi and in Ruth. I thank you for Boaz's faithfulness that he didn't jump ahead of your plan and skip over what you allowed for in your word. He chose to do things your way, and because of that, lives were saved, estates were saved, names were preserved, and lives were blessed. Father, we know as we look around us, sometimes in our very own families, we see a lot of damage. We see a lot of heartache and a lot of pain. And we would like to say that, that we are not responsible for that. But we know. Not one of us in this room doesn't sin and fall short of your glory. We'd like to look around this room of, of brothers and sisters in Christ and say that we've never seen people hurt here because of things that we've chosen to do. But again, Father, we know. Father, we need your forgiveness. We need your mercy. We need your vindication that steps up in our stead and, and takes that blame and takes the shame and takes the, 
the death penalty of our sins. We confess to you, Father, we need newness. For one this morning, perhaps it doesn't know you as Lord and Savior. They're ready to receive that because they know, Jesus, you came to give that. So give them the courage, give them the boldness to step forward during this song and, and to proclaim your name before others in this room and to enter the waters of baptism so that the old can be washed away and the new can come. For some, they're just looking for a church home where they can serve alongside brothers and sisters, where they can actually be connected and they cannot isolate themselves or withdraw from fellowship, but rather they can honor your word and not give up meeting together. And they could find a place of love and encouragement. And all the more, as the day of your return speedily approaches. Father, whatever decision needs to be made today, let it be made for your honor, for your glory, and with your ever-abiding help, in Jesus' name. Amen.